Good evening, guys, ghouls, and girls. Welcome to my horror movie review, or movie decomposition, if you will, where I watch a film, break it down, and rate it for your entertainment. Disclaimer, yes, there will be blood, gore, and or disturbing topics discussed, and obviously there will be spoilers, so if this is not really your cup of tea, or you don't want to ruin the movie for yourself but still want to support me, feel free to click off this one and find another. I have plenty of options on my YouTube channel and or my podcast services. Thank you for listening. Stay spooky. This evening, I wanted to discuss Girl in the Basement. I watched this movie the other night and it shook me to my very core. I can sit and watch gore-filled movies where absolutely horrific things happen to humans, but this one just really got under my skin. This movie is based on a true story of a girl named Elizabeth Fritzel that was held captive by her own father, Yusuf Fritzel, for 24 years. I will be doing a spook chatter episode on Yusuf Fritzel, so stay tuned for that. It shouldn't be too far away. In the film, we are introduced to a family of four. Mum, Irene, Dad, Don and two daughters named Sarah and Amy. Sarah is our main character. She is rebellious and keen to get out of her family home as soon as she turns 18. Sarah's sister lives on campus but is visiting for the beginning of the film. We catch a glimpse of her strict father as he refuses to let her go to a party that Irene, the mother, had already agreed to allowing Sarah to go to. Sarah argues with Don until he shuts it down with a very stern no and Sarah storms to her bedroom not before yelling she's out of there as soon as she turns 18 and he can't control her anymore. Now, as I mentioned before, our Sarah, she's a rebellious type, so we of course watch her climb out of her window and meet her boyfriend Chris, who rides off on his motorbike into the night. As they go to this party, they have a lovely, romantic evening together. Chris even promises to get Sarah her own pink helmet so they can ride away together when she graduates. They also tell each other that they love each other. Irene knocks on Sarah's door, apologising and telling her to unlock the door so they can talk, but of course there's no answer. Don unlocks the door from the set of keys he seemingly carries with him everywhere and they find Sarah's bed empty and the window wide open. Sarah's boyfriend Chris is a handsome musician who can play the guitar and show Sarah a song he wrote for her. It's slow, with lovely lyrics. They tell each other that they love one another and they stay the night together on the beach. The morning rolls around. Don is sitting at the front porch and notices Sarah trying to sneak back through her window. He tells her to use the door like a normal person. There is another rise from them both and Sarah hides out in her room. The sister, Amy, is shown in Sarah's bed and Sarah complains about her strict father. Amy pleads for Sarah to just wait it out. She's nearly 18 and she'll be able to leave soon too. Sarah shares that Chris told her he loved her and they both have a moment of swoon. Irene joins the girls and apologises on behalf of herself and Don. Sarah tells Irene she will be leaving and will be travelling around the country when she turns 18. And though Irene is sad about her daughter wanting to leave, she joins in the excitement. However, little do they know that Don overhears their conversation and he is pissed. 
We watch as Don storms downstairs into the basement and he pushes the bookshelf to the left, which presents a second secret door that has a latch that Don unlocks and he stands in the doorway with his arms crossed. The next few months pass and Sarah is 18, just graduated and there is a subtle mention about Don and the lengthy time he has spent in the basement of late. Irene mentions that she will never go down there because Don says there's rats, but they are not sure what it is that he really does down there. Sarah is on the phone as her mother advises she is going to the shops, and the sister was not there at this point, leaving Don and Sarah the only two left at the house. This is where the film takes a turn for the worst, and I should have switched it off here. Don orders Sarah to get off the phone now and to help him with something. She does, as she is told, and follows Don into the house. He has her help him carry a large grey tub downstairs into the basement. I already knew where this was going before they dropped the box in its location. Sarah obliges and helps Don with the tub. They drop it down in front of a bookshelf in the basement. Don walks over to the bookshelf and he pushes it away from the wall, unveiling a hidden doorway. Sarah asks why that was there, and Don explains that the owners that before them built a bomb shelter, and he's made some improvements. Don prompts Sarah to help carry the tub through up to the next door, and he types in a code in the keypad for the door. Sarah is hesitant to go in the room. Concrete walls, one stacked brick pillar, a dingy old sink, and the classic yellow creepy light almost looks like the room from the first Saw film. As Sarah is looking around, Don asks her what she thinks, and I quote Sarah, Well, it kinda sucks. There's no windows. Don smugly asks, You don't like it? As he backs up to the door. Sarah says, Dad? As she notices him retreating. He walks outside the door and adds, That's too bad. As he shuts the heavy door behind him. Sarah walking quicker to the closing door, asking what he's doing a few times until the door completely slams shut. We now learn that the door and room are completely soundproof as Sarah bangs and yells on the door, and though we can see her face through a small square pane of glass, we cannot hear her. Sarah goes to the tub and opens it. She finds her own clothing, a carry bag, a torch, and other items that belong to her. She attempts different codes on the keypad in the room, but after three wrong attempts, the lights go out. She yells for her mum. She yells for anyone. Don notices the sound is coming through a vent, but covers it up with a blanket. Sarah pleads for her dad to let her out, but to no avail. Don just struts back upstairs. A day passes, and Sarah is still at the door yelling. The second day rolls around and Sarah tries the code on the door three times and the power shuts off again. No lights and the vent that is pushing in fresh air shuts off as well. The lights eventually come on after a while of waiting and we witness Sarah picking up a tin can bin with used toilet paper, presumably what she has used to go to the toilet. Day four rolls around and this is the day Don decides to drop in for a visit. Sarah faintly hears the first door slam, so she scrambles up off the hard, cold concrete floor and hides behind the brick pillar. The second door, with the code, swings open. 
Don walks in, and as he is slowly closing the door, Sarah shoves him into the wall and makes a run through the first door, but as she gets to the second, she learns that this is also locked by a keypad and she cannot escape. Though she screams, she cannot be heard. Don grabs her by her hair and drags her back into the room where she's being held captive. Don throws her down to the ground and he closes the door behind him, shutting them both in the room. Sarah tells him he can't do this to her and Don shouts back, yes I can. And as Sarah tells him she can't breathe because there's no air, Don then explains that as long as there's power, there's air. So when she attempts three keypad guesses incorrectly and everything shuts off, that's her power going out. Don then yells that he changes the code every day. He then goes on a spiel about how life is a series of choices and actions, reactions, choices, consequences, and this seems to be the life motto that he lives by. He was upset that Sarah disrespected him, so he took the route called crazy instead of discipline, because this is not normal behaviour. Don then goes on to tell Sarah that she can have air, eat, and a number of other things when he says she can, asserting his dominance over her, and as he yells, do you understand, a couple of times, and doesn't get an answer from Sarah, he hits her in the face. She then slams her body up against the door and sexually assaults her. After this scene, we are shown the mother, Don and the sister in the lounge room talking to a police officer. Only Don knows where Sarah is and this is how it is throughout the whole film and in real life too. Only the father was aware of Elizabeth's real whereabouts. Don shares with the police officer that Sarah always threatened to leave when she turned 18 and she's just finally kept up to her word. Irene cannot believe her daughter would just leave without saying goodbye. The police officer asks if anything is missing and Don advises yes. Clothes, her carry bag, which is really in the tub in the basement hole, and a few other of her items. Amy gives the officer Chris's number in case Sarah is with her boyfriend and the officer leaves. Day 7 rolls around. Sarah hasn't had much to eat and she's very sick. We get a flashback to her and her boyfriend and they are talking about running away together. This upsets Sarah and she sings the song that he wrote for her out loud. Chris goes to the house. He has a gift for Sarah, but Don tells Chris Sarah has run away with a guy named Steve. That she's not missing, but has just run away. And though Chris doesn't fully believe it, he doesn't argue and just rides away. Day 21 and it is Sarah's 18th birthday. Don brings in a little cake with a candle. Sarah is told to blow out the candle and make a wish, and though she's reluctant to do it, she does. Don then grabs into a brown paper bag and pulls out a plastic bag with her gift. She opens the bag and it's lingerie, which Don forces her to put on. He then tells her to pick something that she wants, and she says that she'd like to get out of there, and even adds a please, which is more than what I would have given him. Don tells her it's a little early for that and to pick something else. This goes on for a while before he agrees to letting her have a clock in there, but not before making her earn it. Sarah calls him dad and he tells her to call him Don. I guess he's trying to disassociate himself as her father because what he is doing to her is icky. Now, as time goes on, we reach day 354 and Sarah is very pregnant. Yes, that's right, folks. 
pregnant. The ickiest part of all of this is that Don, her father, is the dad of his baby's baby. That is what messed me up the most about this whole thing. Sarah gives birth alone, without any medical assistance at all, with only a book to read up on what to do. She gives birth to a baby girl, Marie, and though she's now also locked down in the hole with Sarah, at least she has some companionship. Four years now have passed, and Irene is still mourning the loss of her child. Marie is now up and running around and calls Don, Dad. Don boasts about how he's been promoted and that he deserves it as he's been there for 10 years. Sarah is pregnant again, expecting another little girl or boy and is talking about how it may be overcrowded when the second baby comes along. But Don snaps and does not like the idea of Sarah talking about her freedom. He storms upstairs and has dinner with his wife and other daughter. Irene starts asking about his promotion and if it comes with a raise, suggesting to hire a private investigator. Don says no, he doesn't want to waste the money. He gets up and he leaves the table. Don is then seen giving a TV to Sarah and Marie. Sarah explains that this will be their key to the outside. A few years pass again. Sarah has given birth to a baby boy and he is about toddler age. Marie, however, is very sick. Don brought down pills for her, but they are not right. They are not for kids. Don tells Sarah to make it work, and though Sarah pushes for her to see a doctor, Don doesn't budge. It comes to night time, and Marie asks for Sarah to tell her a story. So she dresses it up and tells her about herself, but princessy. How she met her Prince Charming, but is locked away in a dungeon. She even sings the song Christopher wrote for her. Chris, still riding his motorbike, pulls up at the house just as Sarah's sister Amy is leaving. Amy doesn't recognise him at first, but after he introduces himself again, it clicks. Amy explains that her mum has complained that she doesn't visit enough, so that's why she's there. Chris asks how Sarah is. Remember, he still thinks that she just moved away. And Amy's face drops. She stutters a little and says, You haven't heard? Chris is confused about how they hadn't heard anything and that Steve must have really done a number on her. Amy, confused by the Steve comment, asks what he's talking about. Steve? Chris explains that that is what Don had told him and Amy was even more confused as to when he had even spoken to her dad. Marie is restless and starts to act a little annoying, for pregnant Sarah anyway, and Marie tells Sarah she wants to go with Don. Sarah tells her that it is not up to her, but up to him instead. Now that Marie has seen what exists on the outside from TV, she wants to do those things like play in the park, make friends, go to a zoo, etc. Sarah tells her that she's got friends. They are her friends, but Marie doesn't like that. She yells that she wants to go to a real zoo and calls her mother stupid. Sarah gets upset by that comment and yells, hey! telling Marie to go to the quiet chair. Chris and Amy talk. Chris tells her he knew something was off and that Don was lying, but he seemed nice about it. Amy, for the most part, thinks she got away and she's living the dream, but is still suspicious that he's done something to her because of a few incidents prior. 
He hit Irene once and put her in hospital for two days. And because Sarah always stood up for herself, Amy thinks maybe he hit her too and she fell. Sarah helps defuse her little girl's upset by putting up some blankets and grabbing some torches, making as much of an adventure that she can for the kids. It was actually quite sweet and one of my favourite moments in the film. Amy has told Irene about the lie Don told Chris and she confronts him. Don admits that he did lie but defends by asking what does it matter. Amy says that he knows something and Don just says she's been threatening to run away for a long time and that they were expecting it to happen. Amy accuses him of knowing something and Irene threatens that she will be hiring a private investigator. Don slams his large book to the ground and we see his keys are left on the chair. Irene stands up to him and tells him he doesn't have to pay for it and she will and he looks mad. Irene starts breaking things and Don is pissed. She storms off and he follows. Amy notices the keys on the chair and grabs them. She makes a run for the basement. Amy gets down to the basement and looks around a little. Sarah is breathing quite heavily, seemingly going into labour. Amy finds a box and digs through it and Don slowly and quietly creeps downstairs. He stands and watches her for a minute as she rummages and he yells, Hey! She is startled. Don holds out his hand for the keys. He yells at Amy to get out. Sarah gives birth to another baby boy. She advises Don his name is Thomas. Sarah tells Don that it would be a good idea if he took him upstairs. She manages to convince him that there's not enough room down there. Don has bundled up Thomas and left him on the front porch. Irene answers the door to a crying baby. A note is left from Sarah telling her that she doesn't have the time or money to look after him. Irene picks him up and there's another note under him but she doesn't notice it. Don however does and it is a note telling Irene where she is. Don comes down and Sarah is confronted by the note. I'm being held captive in the basement. Call the police. Don forces Sarah to put the red lingerie on. Marie made a little play about the fairy princess Sarah told her about and then as we are shown the set a time skip happens and an older Marie steps out from behind the curtain. This is year 14 now. Marie is grown up. Don has brought down some makeup and Marie has doled herself up and he is giving off some super creepy vibes. Sarah tells her she is not wearing makeup and Don tells her to come closer. He looks at her and tells her she is very beautiful. Sarah does not like that and tells her to set the table. She tells Don that he is not to touch her, to please leave her alone. She hands the makeup back to him and tells him Marie doesn't need it and that she's just a kid. Don is angered by this and he turns off the power. Did I mention that Sarah is pregnant once again? This is the final time we see her pregnant in the film. Marie is upset. Sarah asks her what the matter is and Marie cries that she doesn't know anyone and she doesn't have any friends. What if she never meets anyone? What if she never meets a nice boy? Sarah tells her she is working on it and Marie asks how. Sarah tells her she has to be patient. Marie then asks how she met her daddy. Sarah tells her she's known him almost her whole life. Marie tells her when they get out of there, they should definitely get a divorce. Yeah, no shit. 
Year 17, Irene sits in Sarah's room as the rain starts coming down quite heavily outside. Sarah and Marie sit together and Marie notices dripping coming from above them. We catch a glimpse of Thomas all grown up as he sits with Irene. Sarah calls for her son, Michael, to help them as Sarah climbs on top of a dresser. She gets a better look and finds that she may be able to make the hole bigger. Michael gets Sarah a spoon and she starts digging at it, keeping in mind she is very pregnant. Rubble starts to fall from the roof as Sarah digs. She digs all through the night, rubble everywhere, but she is determined. She managed to make quite a hole. We see a man walking his dog in the evening and Sarah has managed to catch his attention with a torch shining out of the hole she's made. The man knocks on the front door, Don answers the door and the man explains there's a light flashing outside of his house and that it seemed like someone was trying to signal him. Don says goodnight and of course goes straight downstairs. Sarah moves slowly so even though she heard the door she has to be careful not to injure herself getting off the dresser. Don catches Sarah climbing off the dresser. He punches her in the face and she falls straight to the ground. He then starts kicking her in the stomach. He does this several times. He goes to punch her in the face again but Marie tells him to stop. He gets up, pushes over a chair and leaves. Sarah is in pain and she's crying and she tells Marie something is wrong with her baby. She's bleeding and goes into a very painful labour. She's screaming from pain and then just cries. There's no sound from her baby. This was really hard to watch and I have to admit I teared up after this scene. Sarah sits at her kitchen table with a small bundle in front of her. Don enters and he notices it, realising the baby did not make it. He picks up the bundle and leaves Sarah as she cries. Don buries the baby. Sarah, distraught at the loss of her child, lays quietly on the floor. We're now up to year 18. We learn it is Michael's birthday as Don enters and throws a baseball mitt to him. Don approaches Sarah and asks what's for dinner. Sarah holding her temples obviously struggling but tells Don that everything is fine and that she's just tired. Don asks her smugly, what from? From working so hard? And then shares that his job is laying people off and he'll be lucky to have a job by Christmas. Sarah asks how Thomas is and Don tells her he's doing great, that he is big and strong and he wants to play football next year in addition to baseball. Michael chimes into the conversation and states he'd like to play baseball too. Don tells him that he would be able to if his mother, referring to Sarah, behaves herself. Both Marie and Michael yell at Don asking when will that be. Don says he doesn't know and it all depends on Sarah. Sarah apologises to them as she feels forced to. Then they both interrogate Sarah after Don has left and ask why she doesn't ask him if she can leave and that they barely get to speak to him. Sarah advises them that she is trying to protect them. Marie then tells Sarah it is her fault that they are there. Michael adds that she is the reason they are down there. Sarah tells them that he is the one that keeps them down there like animals, but Marie cuts her off and yells that she just wants to go outside. Both are yelling in Sarah's face and she is upset. She slams a plate on the floor and flips the table. She starts pushing everything off the top of a dresser and pushes that down too. The kids retreat. 
Sarah crumbles to the ground. She curls up in the fetal position and cries. She lays on the floor and then reminisces about Christopher and flashes back to when he told her he loved her. The kids feeling guilty slowly come in. Marie puts a blanket over the top of Sarah and they begin cleaning up. Michael apologises and Sarah then says she's sorry as well. Marie asks about what? And Sarah says that if she just shut up like Amy, they wouldn't be in that situation. Marie asks who Amy is and Sarah tells them she hasn't been honest with them, but they're old enough now and they deserve to know the truth. She asks them if they remember the story she used to tell them about the fairy princess. They nod and she tells them the story is loosely based on her. She tells them that in the story, she's the fairy princess and that her father cut off her wings. She asks them who they think Don is. Michael replies telling her that's dad, your husband, and adds that he lives upstairs with Aunt Rini, who helps take care of Thomas. Sarah drops the bombshell that she grew up upstairs with her sister, Amy, and she had a mum and dad too, but her and her dad didn't get along. He was awful. She mentions Chris, that she was so in love with him and that they were going to run away when she turned 18, but it didn't happen because her dad tricked her and locked her down there. Michael asks when she met dad. Sarah grabs both of her children's hands and tells them that Aunt Rini isn't her aunt and that she's her mum. Don is her husband and he's also Sarah's dad. Marie is crying. Sarah then adds, he's also your dad. Sarah asks if they understand what she's telling them. Michael, now also upset, says no, he doesn't understand. Marie goes into panic and she falls off her chair. She's having an asthma attack. Sarah tells her to breathe. Michael asks what is wrong with them and Sarah raises her voice that it is not them, it's him and it's always been him. She tells them that she loves them and that they mean everything to her. 19 years now have passed. Don enters with a small box of provisions. Sarah looks at it and then at Don and he tells her he doesn't want to hear it. Sarah shakes her head and says it's not much here. He tells them to ration and as Sarah is in his face he tells her to back off. He sits down, tells Sarah she should take better care of herself because she looks like hell. Michael loses it. He yells at Don telling him to shut up and not to talk to her like that. Don stands up and challenges him by asking, or what? What are you going to do? You're not going to do anything. You can't do anything. Don adds, you know, Thomas is younger than you, but he's bigger than you. He's more man than you'll ever be. And that pissed Michael right off. He rams into Don and he starts swinging. Don pushes him away and Sarah catches him, trying to restrain him. Don leaves and turns off the power. Don has been let go from his job. He walks into the house with a box of his stuff and Irene yells, asking him where the money goes. Don tells her not to worry about it until he gets another job. He has received a foreclosure notice on the house. All the while, Sarah has taken the vent off the wall in another attempt to escape, but as she shines the torch, there's nothing there. Don feels helpless and trapped, so he conjures up a brilliant idea to gas his prisoners by carbon monoxide poisoning. He puts a hose in through the vent for the basement and the other end into the exhaust of his car, shuts the garage door and himself in the car and starts it up. 
The gas seeps into the basement where the three are sleeping, and just as Don starts to get sleepy in his car, Thomas bursts into the garage and Don tells him a shit excuse about how many miles he can get out of his car. Thomas asks if he's okay, and Don replies with asking him if he told him about choices and consequences, and that sometimes you make a bad choice, you think it is a good choice, but it turns out to be bad, and that he's trying to figure it out. Don heads down to the basement to check on the three, and thankfully Marie moves her arm, giving Don confirmation that he didn't finish them off. He sighs some relief. 20 years passed and the scene opens with Marie laying down. She is struggling to breathe and is not well at all. Michael asks Sarah what they should do. Upstairs, however, Don is holding a barbecue on their property, something baseball related for Thomas. Marie is coughing and Sarah is just holding on to what Don had told them earlier, that after the baseball game, Don would be down there. The baseball game was well over, but he's entertaining guests. Michael yells that Don should be there and Marie still struggles and getting considerably worse. It's night time now and Don finally comes down asking what the hell is going on. Sarah tells him she's just had an asthma attack and is barely breathing and that she needs to go to a doctor now. Don says nah, don't want to risk it and Sarah retaliates with what, you hate us that much? And Don responds with well, maybe it's for the best. Marie cries. Sarah asks him if she loves Thomas and Don says yes, he's a good kid. And Sarah says to him if he really cared about Thomas, he wouldn't let his sister die. Sarah pleads to him that she needs to go to a hospital now. Don says to her, you will talk, I know you. And Sarah promises she won't and swears she won't say anything. Sarah is crying and she pleads, please dad, I just want to be with her, please. Don caves. He makes Michael stay and threatens if she talks that he'll die down there and no one will find him. They sneak through the house and Sarah takes a moment to take in her home. They get into the car and Don is driving. Sarah is in the back seat with Marie. He carries Marie into the hospital and they wheel her away. Marie is coding. Her heart rate flatlines and the doctors attempt to resuscitate her. They shock her a couple of times and she finally comes to. This part had me holding my breath. The two sit in the foyer and the nurse advises that she is in critical condition and that they haven't been able to gain any medical history from Marie. She pulls off a piece of paper from her clipboard and asks them to fill it in. She begins handing it to Sarah, but Don takes it off her. The nurse asks how often she has these attacks and Don responds that she's homeschooled, so they've been giving her home remedies. Sarah spaces out, relieved to be in the outside world and sheds a tear. The nurse then adds that she hasn't been vaccinated, no shots, nothing. Don says everything has been fine up until now, so the nurse adds to just put down their contact info and the doctor will see them soon. Don begins to fill out the form. Sarah knows this is her chance to do something. She tells Don that she has to go to the bathroom and Don firmly says no, knowing that Sarah will run. Don's phone beeps and he turns around to answer the text. Sarah slowly moves to the cup of water and knocks it over, spilling it all over the piece of paper. Don, annoyed, gets up and walks to the nurse's station to get another piece of paper. He tells her to stay right there. Stupid, stupid Don. 
Sarah gets up and swiftly walks down towards the nurse. Feels like forever as she goes towards her. The nurses turn away and starts walking, prompting Sarah to walk quicker. Don notices Sarah's attempt to escape, but he's too late. Sarah has managed to catch up to the nurse. She tells the nurse that she needs help and falls into a hug with her. Don knows it's too late, and as he attempts to walk away, the police officer intervenes. Sarah is so relieved. She's sitting with Marie as she comes to. She slightly panics, but Sarah tells her she is safe. She tells her they are in the hospital and that they got out. Marie asks where Dad is and Sarah tells her the police have arrested him and that he's going away for the rest of his life. Michael is taken to hospital. Irene's face says it all, that she's in pure shock and disbelief. She cries, 20 years has passed with one of her daughters. Imagine that torture and now knowing that she's been locked down in the same house all of this time and been sexually abused countless times by her own husband. Yuck. All three kids are playing soccer together as Sarah sits with her mum and sister. They hear a motorbike coming up the path. It's Christopher. They go off together and he tells her that he has a surprise for her. He gets sad and apologises and that he's been sorry for years. Sarah asks for what? Chris replies, for believing that BS story, not coming to find you. Sarah sighs and tells him that she thought about him every day for 20 years and that it's really good to see him. Chris tells her that it's really good to see her too. He hands the gift over to Sarah and she unwraps it. It's a sparkly pink bike helmet, just like he promised her 20 years ago. It even has her name written on the side of it. They get up, hand in hand, go to his bike and go for a ride. And that, my friends, is the end of the film. Would I watch it again? Definitely not. That shook me to my very core. It was a sad movie. Um, did I enjoy it? No, I did not enjoy it. I enjoyed little bits of it where there were happy parts. And to tell you the truth, I only really sat down and watched it because I was curious. I'd read stories about it. And now I know more about Yusuf Fritzl. So a Spook Chatter episode will be coming your way shortly. So I can be done with this whole messed up situation <laughs> and move on to the next one. So thank you so much for listening. I appreciate that. And I will see you on the next one. Prophelia Podcast Network, Dark Stories from the Campfire Podcast, combines the storytelling styles of Victorian ghost stories and folklore to present to you original horror stories that'll force you to curl up tighter next to the fire. Available on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are listened to.